0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. We now join the theatre's literary associate and your host, Rosie Kelliger.
1: Hello and welcome to the Travcast and uh, you're joining us now with the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in full swing. The lanyards of multi-different colours are out in force, there are flyers everywhere and every corner of Edinburgh, every church hall, every room above a pub, uh, every cupboard in somebody's flat has been turned into a venue and everywhere you look there are shows and there is art to see Uh, and it's my favourite time of year and it's a time when we welcome artists and audiences from all over the world to our city Um, and today I'm really pleased that I'm joined by Al Smith writer of Diary of a Madman produced by the Gate Theatre and currently running here with us at the Traverse in Traverse 2 Uh, a recipient of the BFI Welcome Trust screenwriting award in 2012 Al has written extensively for television and radio some of Al's previous stage plays have been seen at Soho Theatre, the Arcola, the Arches and at 59 East 59 in New York and his play Harrogate will run at the Royal Court this autumn. Alex, great to have you here. Hello. Um, so I'd love to kick off by talking about Diary of a Madman um, because I'm sure some of our listeners will know uh, the short story by Gogol which inspired it and I would love to hear you talk a bit about what that process was because I think it's probably important to start by saying it's not a straight adaptation is it? It's, it's the piece at several removes. Yeah. Tell me what that what that process was for you.
0: Okay, um, so about five years ago The Gate commissioned me to do an adaptation of Diary of a Madman in what I think what they wanted as a relatively traditional um, interpretation um, and I tried to do that and, and I, I just didn't feel connected to it really um, at all. Um, it's quite a strange story. I didn't want to write a monologue. I wanted to try and find a way of doing it which was um formally interesting, but I just didn't feel connected to to it. So um I kind of stuck it away and um procrastinated terribly and um I was working on a completely different project. I went to university here in Edinburgh and whilst I was an undergraduate I um I um went out with a girl who lived in South Queens Ferry who, um, had, um, some, had, ha, who, who um, had some had who had some a family with some fairly interesting mental health issues I don't want to say too much but um uh, i I was absolutely fascinated by by that experience for me and for her and um, and that period in my life and, I just, and I, I've always been sort of thinking about about um, about mental illness um and with a view to writing something about it and so um, given the nature of the Gogol and the fact that even though it's not described in the in the story it's clearly a, it's clearly a a, a discussion of a, a, a description of a man struggling with schizophrenia I thought given that that condition was also present in the experience I'd had those two stories might merge into one project loosely inspired if you like by the Gogol rather than Written as a direct adaptation, so that's kind of where the whole thinking came from in the first place. Um, and then, of course, I've sort of stretched it to fit other different ways. And I hope what ends what what's resulted is a, is, is a story that stands alone, sort of in its own right, but does have a shadow and echo of the Google there.
1: Absolutely, and I think if you're familiar with the the Google, it, it's uh, there's a resonance, there's a presence there, but it's um, it's absolutely a telling that is rooted in the here and now. Whilst at the same time exploring the the weight of history and of mythology and how that feeds into uh, your protagonist's mental state, as as you describe it, um, I was also interested, and in, I, I didn't know about your personal connection to South Queensferry, but in the choice of Scotland as a as a location for it, and of course you're you've lived here and you've studied here, um, and and so in a sense you've been close to this city and its environs. Um, but there's an interesting thread woven through your your telling um, about where we are now, post-IndyRef, and perhaps pre-IndyRef 2, and uh, in a place where, as a country, Scotland is still wrestling with who we are and who we want to be. Um, and I wonder if you could Talk to me a bit about where you saw that sitting within the piece, and and at what point you you uh, held on to that mm. as a as a, a possible way of exploring your ideas.
0: So in the Gogol, I'm going to answer it that way. There is this um, he the the character um, discovers this. He realizes one day that there is no king of Spain. There is a power vacuum in Spain, and he wonders how that can be. How can the um, upper classes in his mind um, uh, live in a world or have any situation where there isn't where someone isn't leading the way there's no leaders in his world and he um, comes to the conclusion that he it has this dawning bright light in his mind burst this idea burst in his mind that he is in fact the king of Spain and he has to he has to um, to show everyone you know, who, who he is and um, and I, I was kind of toying with that thing, well how am I gonna do that? How am I gonna think about that? And then and then um we had the Brexit vote and um the referendum vote and the and um the country fell England fell apart. Um and um we have no adequate leadership and the only decent leadership in my mind in a country anywhere in the United Kingdom is in Scotland. Um so I, I sort of was um sort of playing, I want I was like, well, why, 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 why didn't we have any leadership? Why are we not represented adequately, particularly in England by, um, by anyone who has our interests at, at heart? Um, so I was sort of, I suppose I was trying to tie uh, that thought into, trying to draw that, 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 what I perceive to be a lack of, a lack of leadership in, in the current political environment into, into the, into that sort of, into that into that story in the goggle yeah so that's where that sort of started from i don't um i don't feel like the play is really um trying to make any particular political point about scottish politics um in general i mean i i think maybe it, 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 it's it's really a story about one man who's who has a kind of paranoid patriotism which um which i don't think is particularly shared by the ad- other characters in the play and it's that i suppose he is kind of choked up by history and stuff um and does and does kind of succumb to this um this i uh, this to to mythologies that he that he can't sort of shake off and those do drive him mad but i'm not i'm not really trying to use that as a tool to say anything in particular about um about the state of play in in scotland at the moment i don't really feel that that's my place not generally but specifically with him i feel that's okay yeah,
1: and you also uh, are exploring in it uh, sort of broader issues of masculinity and mm. sexuality, and and using that idea of is it leadership, is it being the head of the household, is it having your place in your community, mm. um, and where are we now in twenty sixteen, mm. early twenty first century in terms of that, mm. and I I wondered whether that was a a theme that you were aware of um, in your work more broadly. I'm, I'm thinking maybe of, of Harrogate, which you uh-huh. made with High Tide. I think it was uh-huh. last year. That's uh-huh. that's returning to London this autumn. And whether that was something that you felt you were exploring.
0: In both. It, well, in both yeah. or, or more I broadly. Yeah. So. God. Oh God! Oh good I'm such a screw up. Then um, no, <laughs> I mean the uh, the the in in Die Over a Madman*, I'm really interested in how does how does sort of advancing technology um, push people out of the jobs market which I mean you know it's a story about there is this cliche that the bridge has to be repainted every year and it takes a year to paint and then and it is the case that um years ago they painted a new glass composite onto the bridge and there's this new technology paint which pushes the bridge the, the necessity to paint it all the time out of the picture that's not in fact true they do constantly repaint it and there was never one person who painted it all the time it's obviously a huge team of people that do it so um i suppose i'm interested in uh how technology affects the jobs market and uh, i suppose traditionally that job was 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 it was done by done by men um, so in that sense it is kind of crosses of masculinity in that in in a context of the play, there, um, more widely speaking, connecting Harrogate and Diary of a Madman together, um, I haven't really thought that through, but um, I can see there is a connection there between between the guy in Harrogate and and um, and Pop in Diary of Madman, and that they're both kind of men left behind by um, they're both kind of clunking men left behind with. with by 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 sort of this i suppose they're both um clinging on to a sense of masculinity which is no longer kind of useful in the world um and and um and and they are outdated and it's um and they should be left behind you know um so i suppose those things that i suppose i'm sort of thinking about that maybe yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> sorry that's a, that's a very un- unfair question to spring because i think um that's something that we as audiences might bring to a writer's work of identifying themes or ideas mm. or, or motifs. Mm. and um, It's
0: quite hard to know. Yeah. Sort of, sometimes it's like when people ask you to tell you what your play's about, I'm like, God, I don't know really. Like, you know, That's what the audience
1: like, is for. They'll tell you what it's about. Yeah, yeah maybe,
0: <laughs> maybe, yeah, please do that for me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and I'd love to know as well, obviously... Uh, Chris Hayden, uh, artistic director of, of The Gate, and who's directed Diary of a Madman, has um, a fantastic pedigree in working with new writing mm. and uh, working with emerging writers. And uh, The Gate has a, a brilliant reputation um, for rigorous dramaturgy and for giving a platform to work by new and emerging British writers but also writers uh, from around the world actually that uh, might be given their first platform in this country mm. uh, on the Gates stage. Um, what was your experience of working with Chris and his role in the development of the piece?
0: Um, Chris and particularly Claire Slater at the Gates um, they are terrifically supportive. Um, the I mean there's, I I I they had they've had a constant I mean I don't write things quickly it's taken me 5 years to turn it around and a lot of doubt occurs um and and I don't find writing particularly um easy um and it's and so to have people who to have constant I know it sounds very simple but to have constant Support and belief in your work is just absolutely um so I find that so valuable and I have been so grateful to them for that and I think Chris runs a very um a very you know um open and inclusive and um and welcoming creative environment where you really can try and get the most out of your uh, where he where he tries to get the most out of out of the people he he works with writers directors. And producers um, everywhere. So I feel very, very fortunate to have been um, given the time to given the time to try and get it right. Yeah, he's, it's a, they are a cracking team. Yeah. And
1: We were talking just before we began recording about uh, your lead actor, Liam Brennan, mm. uh, who plays Pop Sheeran um, and uh, who has uh, just been awarded a, a stage award for acting, which obviously we're all delighted about. Um, but it feels very much like an actor's piece. These are such um, brilliant characters and you write with such an extraordinary um, heightened language yet one that's also rooted in an everyday and a vernacular that it feels like it must be quite a joy for an actor to kind of get their mouth around yeah. so I was also keen to know um, what the, that rehearsal process was like and, well, and your really nice. relationship with the actors and the text in that rehearsal room
0: it's such a it's such a a, a pleasure to have people sit and and say the words that you've had rolling around your head for so long you know it's that's a real privilege um to have them doing it I mean it's just great I mean Liam in particular he's he's so precise he's so careful they all are but Liam is in particular he's just like um he really pays attention to to everything and I see I mean he's a real giant you know he's a giant he's a giant kind of um Theatre star in my mind, and the, and the, and the, and so to have him kind of like sit and take you serious, to take the work really seriously, and to really be precise about all of the uh, all of the different nuances of what you're trying to do, and then come back at you when something doesn't quite work, and really grill you on it, so that it tests to you. Am I? Am is this? You know, intention correct? Whatever. Is is a is a is a real privilege. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a master. <laughs>
1: and uh, it's brilliant to have him and the rest of the cast on our on our stage Mm. Um, and lastly I would love to know how you as a writer are finding and in general find the fringe. It's, uh, as I alluded to in the introduction, it's an extraordinary and vibrant and kind of exhausting time of year in Edinburgh. Mm. And I was speaking to uh, a writer last night who was up from London and uh, kind of said I'd really hope to get some writing done while I was up here and Mm. then after day one I kind of (laughs) realized it wasn't going to happen. Um, And I was reading Lynn Gardner's uh, piece in the Guardian over the weekend talking about how she comes to the fringe to sort of replenish herself theatrically. Yeah. Fill up her theatrical store for the year ahead. Um but of course there are plenty of people who find it, it it's a slog, it's a marathon as well as this joyous celebration. Mm. I was interested to know where you fall on the, <laughs> the spectrum. I'd say I'd
0: say um I've, I I I'm somewhere in the middle. I I have actually been going to the National Library every day and and working in the in the mornings and then in the afternoons been going and uh catching stuff so i'm trying to i'm trying to keep uh keep the wheels turning whilst i'm up here but i think uh lynn garden is absolutely right when she talks about it being a place to replenish yourself creatively um and it and i and it and it is such a i mean i, I know the fringe well I've been coming for for 10 or 15 years now and it's it is it's such a super place to um, to share ideas and to see really fresh, um, brilliant ideas being uh, being being attempted and sometimes failing and sometimes succeeding, and um, and to be in that kind of crucible is is um, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else in August every year. Yeah.
1: Well, Al, thank you so much for taking time out of the fray to come and chat. My pleasure. Um, lovely to have you. Thanks.
0: We hope you enjoyed this podcast from the Traverse Theatre, Edinburgh. For more information, please log on to www.traverse.co.uk.